0: It is in with Got Time here on The Breakfast Show, Bible study time, let's get into it. And of course, if you've got a question that you'd like to send through mm-hmm. for question of the day, we would love to hear from you. I think we've come to the end of our current backlog. Mm-hmm. We, we ha- This happens from time to time. Sometimes we Sometimes we've got a backlog that's going to keep us going for two or three weeks and sometimes we answer all the questions. So mm-hmm. I suspect that not every question that has ever been asked has been answered. I suspect there are some questions out there that have not even been asked yet. Mm. So find those questions, send them through. We'd love to do a bit of research and see if we can find Bible answers for you.
1: Correct. All right, let's jump into our quiz question. Okay, the next question for the quiz. As Jesus prayed in the garden, what did Jesus ask that his father would take from him? 0191064669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer and if you do you will go into the draw to win like some amazing incredible prizes the great prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation the Bible study journal it has like the verses it has lines underneath you can go through study the Bible understand Daniel and Revelation better and then we've got our two prizes uh our other prize sorry uh our two options understanding Daniel and Revelation by Mark Finley either the book version or the audio version whichever one you prefer and I just have to say like these are, like, maybe you're listening to this and it's like, oh man, Bible study commentaries and, and prophecy and Daniel and Revelation and, and beasts and symbols and, oh, I don't know if this is really for me. I'm, no, this is very, it's of the best books in the Bible. Literally, ever. this is like, the most exciting stuff there is. This is, I believe, like, It should be the duty of all Christians to understand these prophetic books. Just as much as you love reading the gospels, just as much as you love reading the history or the epistles and, and gleaning information from them that make your life better. Yes. It is the exact same with the prophetic books and they can be understood and you can know what they're talking about and you can be assured that you're on God's side. Absolutely. And if you want to know that, please, like, no matter what skill level you are. In fact, I remember studying this stuff with Lyle when I had just become a Christian. Actually, I was up at a rise, and Lyle was talking about the books of Daniel and Revelation. I had just become a Christian. And I was like, whoa, symbols and stuff. But like, Lyle made it make sense. Now I can talk about them and study them with others today. Like, and Daniel's such a great book to study because it's both symbols and history. And it's and, it's prophecy and history, and it's condensed and it's very well written. Yes, and you
0: can understand and it. And, and 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 it's stories. I mean, some mm-hmm. of the greatest stories, uh, some of the greatest testimonies, some of the greatest experiences that you'll find in the Bible. Some of the most entertaining stories, you know,
1: movie-worthy stories, seriously, are in the Book of Daniel. I I think I've preached like. I've done lots of Bible studies about the prophecies of the book of Daniel, but I think I've preached more about the stories of the book of Daniel because they're so inspiring. Yes. And so I just have to say, like, the reason we're doing all this talking is to say it doesn't matter what skill level you are, it doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible, you should get this resource because it will bless you. 0491 064 Again, that question was, as Jesus prayed in the garden, what did Jesus ask that his father would take from him? 0491 064 669.
0: Okay, so let's get a text message to find out what you had to say about the first half of the show. And Lawson, you're talking about Duolingo and learning Spanish yeah. and how much you are enjoying speaking to people in Spanish. Uh-huh. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Rachel says this, sadly, Duolingo actively promotes radical uh, gender uh, ideology and really? same-sex relationships. It's written into their inclusive policy. They are removing genders, etc. Check that out. Um, she goes on to say, we were using it in our christian school until we noticed that that is what they are sneakily trying to do really so here's my question we 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 are very active in the english language in removing gender from everything uh-huh so you know you don't have a mother anymore you have a birthing parent and all this kind of stuff But Spanish is a
1: gendered language. That's right. And that's what I've been experiencing. How are
0: you going to remove gender from Spanish?
1: In fact, one of the biggest reasons, you know, you do your tests and one of the biggest reasons I fail is because I forget which gender a hospital is or a hotel. (laughs) It'll be like, it'll be like la or le or una or un, like because it's, it's gendered, right? So I'm, I'm, that's like one of the biggest reasons why you fail. It's like, oh, is ticket a woman or is ticket, a, is a ticket male or female? Like the word ticket because it's all gendered. And whenever you have the before anything, it's reflective of a gender that's associated with that particular thing. And so I, I haven't really, I wonder what language that they're learning because I haven't necessarily, I haven't felt like I've come across that. I definitely haven't come across situations in which it's like my husband and it's a guy speaking or anything. It seems pretty gendered and pretty normal to me. I, I don't, know. I, I don't know, but yeah, Julia, thanks for that information. Uh, I, guess I can, Rachel, sorry, yeah. I guess I can look out for that.
0: I do some research on it, mm. I, and you know, there are we do have some things that some words that are gendered in the English language, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are not so familiar with it. So, for yeah. instance, ships are female. Yeah, you know, you always refer to her and she mm-hmm. when it comes to ships, uh-huh. boats, marine craft. Mm-hmm. Well, you're supposed to anyway.
1: Yeah. A lot of people don't, I guess, these days. Actually, so. is, isn't it it's the same with like cars as well, right? And cars. It's just things that you, just vehicles, v- vehicles
0: female? Uh, uh, the car that my dad owned when I was growing up was definitely female. Yeah. Um, it was known as Gertrude. Yeah. And when it played up, it was called, it, it was called by its Latin name, Gertrudis Mungarinus. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's so funny, bro. Because uh, right, I, I actively make fun of my dad because he calls his car, his car is a guy name. And I'm like, that's lame. That's It's supposed to be a woman's name. Come on. Yeah, you do find some cars with the guy's name from yeah. time to time. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know. What do you call your car? Does your car have a name? 0491 <laughs> Let us know. All right. So text messages, continuing assisted suicide and research all over the world. <laughs> it was found that while the spin doctors say it all well, the reality is that many more people are dying just because they are tired of living. A very slippery ride down to a very dark place, another government uh, another government sponsored murders in the name of love, while no one wants people to suffer, in the big picture, a lot more people will suffer. Mm-hmm. I'm just reporting on the research out there today. Sad mm-hmm. state of events. And this is one of the things that you find today. You find a very big, very big gap between the research and the ideology that's presented in the media. Yeah, that's right. Or in legislature.
1: Yeah. And I love what you said about the media because it's like, I, I think the, the, the narrative that they would give out is like, oh, like how dare you speak against something like assisted suicide? It's humane. It's what we're supposed to do. And it's like, Okay, but let's look at the research. Yeah, I'm like, I just, I just read what scientists said. Yeah, <laughs> like
0: <laughs> we, 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 we really have reached a post-science world. Mm. And as people of faith, people accuse you and I <laughs> of being edu- of being science. people of faith and people not of science. But we are much, much more of science than the average secular person. That's right, vastly more because we do not do away with. Any empirical science. We, yeah, it's on the table. It's there. We have to keep it. We, we stand by it. Yeah. Absol- historical science is a different question. It, it's actually. But just because you do it, you have a different theory on historical science doesn't mean that you are not scientific.
1: Yeah. That's actually hilarious. It's like people adopting historical science, which is not empirical and not provable. Uh, rather than empirical science and then saying that you're anti-science. It's really funny. But I think like when it comes to this topic of assisted suicide, my mind always goes back to a story that I talked about like years ago on Faith of Heaven. It's like one of the first stories that I ever did. I talked about assisted suicide mm-hmm. in, in the Netherlands and I talked about a 16-year-old girl who had a yes. life taken as a result of depression. Yes, she was depressed. Yes, and the her physician and she said she wanted to die, and her physician was like, "We can do that." Yeah, it's like, well, we have a solution for you, a sixteen-year-old girl, someone who can't even consent. Uh huh. No power of consent. We're just going to kill you. And I always, whenever this topic comes up, and I know there are the extreme circumstances, and that story came, we
0: covered that story because it was the first time it happened.
1: Yeah. That was the precedent That's that right. has now been followed many times over. And like, I always think back to that story because everyone wants to bring up outlying situations about, um, we're well, not necessarily outlying situations. Like I can understand, you know, the, the use of assisted suicide in regards to people with terminal illnesses or who are very old. Like we are not un- unsympathetic. We are not like, anti this when it, like when things are practical, they're practical in, in, when it comes to the med- like med- medical field. But killing a child because they're depressed is not the solution and i'm strong so 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 worried about this in australia particularly looking at all the ideology that's taking place as well within science in the medical field so yeah yikes you're listening to faith fm positively different radio
0: Okay, a couple of other ones here real quick. Medical conversion, no turning back. If we make a mistake, we can normally fix it. But in this case, there is no turning back depending on the procedure. A life of regret and mental suffering will follow sooner or later. Uh, and this is this is the tragedy our world is facing. Mm. Um, controlling your emotions, this one coming out of the interview. Uh, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit mm. than he who takes a city. Proverbs 16, verse 32. Great verse right there. Thank you for Banger. sending that one through. Uh, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. That's Ephesians 4, verse 31. Character is the only thing we get to take to heaven. Mm. We can overcome with God's help. Mm. Really good verses there. I think I'll put that one down as text message of the day so Mm. far. That is definitely uh, some uh, some very relevant passages of Scripture that, um, that has been shared there. And uh, just heading over to Braden's message right now real quick. And it says, in regards to the gender issues being pushed down to, down to the children, I say we need to let kids be kids. Also, given that there is plenty of evidence that shows suicide rates increase 8 to 10 years after transitioning, we are going to have a pandemic of suicides in the near future. Of course, blamed on Christians being bigots and... I I hate to say it, but that's pretty hard to deny. Mm -hmm. We have seen that happen over and over and over and over again. The more that the LGBT plus community is celebrated, the less excuse they have for the incredibly high suicide rates that they have. And so the more it gets blamed on Christians. But Christians are a very small minority and Christians love and accept these people. Christians were the people who invented the idea of not being homophobic and not hating on these people
1: yeah it, that's actually yeah it's uh, it's such a tough one it's like and we've talked about this on the show before like the scientific evidence that, that proves like why just from a physiological standpoint you shouldn't live this lifestyle why because it's yeah. literally killing people yeah um but yeah we already like you said oh we're coming up to an epidemic or a pandemic of suicide we're already in an epidemic of suicide and,
0: and, and the thing is <sighs> Okay, so it's been blamed on on bigotry in the past and some of that is there's no question <laughs> yeah, that true. it happened because of bigotry and persecution and that's absolutely wrong. But when the suicide rate is not changing and you've got kids who are desperate to become uh, LGBT because that's where they are the most celebrated in society and the suicide rate is not changing, what's going on? Yeah. Where's the real
1: problem here? Because the, the simple reality is is that like very few, if no other marginalized marginalized groups have have faced this rate of suicide. Yep, that's that's just the truth. That's the historical truth. It is. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So we've
0: got a link here for you, um, Lawson, about the So that'll be interesting to oh, research. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's get into our Bible study. And we're going to go. We're going to be looking at a few different stories here this morning. Uh, Let's go to examples in the Bible where people made choices based on feelings rather than God's word. Oh, this is
1: just the interview right here. (laughs) Today's
0: Bible study is the interview. (laughs) Yeah, it's as simple as that. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're actually going to start before we look at those stories. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter fourteen. Okay. And verse 12.
1: Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. 12. And I think
0: this verse really summarizes our whole interview with Jennifer Skews this morning, talking about emotional health
1: and the concept of reason and conscience being in control of passion. Mm. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but ends in death. Okay. That's a very simple statement, right there. Um, go to Proverbs chapter sixteen and verse twenty-five. Proverbs sixteen and verse twenty-five. The Bible says there is a path before each person that seems right, but ends in death. Uh, that's exactly the same verse. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because Solomon
0: obviously, you know, wrote this down, and a little while later he's gone. You know what? This is such a profundity that I'm going to write it again. Yeah. So if you missed it the first time, if you were speed reading, if you skimmed over the surface of it, it's there in the Bible twice for you. Mm-hmm. There is a way that feels right, but the end is the ways of death. And okay, well then how do we find out what is actually right? Mm. If we can't trust our feelings. Let's go to Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. If we cannot trust our feelings, then what can we trust to determine what is right? So we've seen you know, for the last however long I have many decades in the secular West, where the philosophy has been if it feels right, it is right, and this is based on an evolutionary model which says you know if we if we've evolved from mud, there is no such thing as morality mm. the only there is only one morality for a true atheist, a true evolutionist or a true secularist, a true humanist, and that is ensuring that your genetic material is Mm -hmm. passed on. Mm. That is the only morality because in an evolutionary model, who says thou shalt not kill? Mm. We find that there are very successful species out there. That's all they do. Mm. They kill off the competition so that their genetic material can be passed on. Mm. And we say this is survival of the fittest. Who's to say... Thou shalt not steal. Why is it a moral wrong to steal if you are an atheist? Because if you are stealing, then you are gaining to yourself something that will that will better enable you to pass your genetic material on and that your genetic material survives. Mm. These are all natural selection processes that if the strong steals from the weak, then we are getting rid of the weak. Where does morality come from? Where is it that we say... These things are wrong. Mm. You know, even things as simple as honor your father and mother. If you're honoring your father and your mother and you are taking care of them in their elderly years, then that's draining your resources that you could be investing into your offspring and ensuring that your genetic material is passed on. Mm. All of these moral commandments that you find in the Bible a very anti-evolutionary and yet these are things that we stand by in society we say you can't go killing people you can't go stealing from people it is wrong to lie to people you need to look after your parents you know these are things that we all understand very very well and so if we go just by
1: our feelings where do we end up jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 in jeremiah 17 and verse 9 the bible says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and Desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Okay, so th- this is the this is the thing that I get you know hit with
0: over and over and over again in the secular world, where people say you know human beings are basically good. There's some bad people out there for sure, but human beings are basically good. Mm-hmm. The Bible doesn't say that. Mm. The Bible says the human beings are basically bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that every good and perfect gift, every good thing we have, come, comes down from the Father, comes down from God. It's here as a result of the influence of God in our world. Mm. We do not know just how evil we are capable of being unless we are placed in a crisis where the opportunity arrives for us to be evil. Mm. And uh, then we actually know ourselves. And this is one of the big problems, I think. We don't ex- even actually know ourselves. And so when it comes to trusting feelings, trusting ourselves that's the problem. And this is this is one of the, the, the major tragedies. You know, I, I go to, I, you know, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor, I do funerals from time to time, mm. and so often they'll play this song at the funeral, I did it my way, and it is simply the most tragic song I've ever heard at a funeral. Mm. I just, it, for a Christian there could be nothing worse. Mm. Yeah, because
1: to, to stand there and admit, yeah, I did things my way. I didn't do this guy's way. Mm-hmm. I wasn't surrendered to God.
0: I was like, "Nope, doing it my way." Mm. And yeah, those are some of the hardest funerals I've ever had to do. Is where that song is being played because these are funerals that have no hope. Mm. It's really sad. All right, let's go to some examples in the Bible. We said we'd look at some of these examples. Oh, let's go over Second Samuel chapter eleven. Let's start there, where people followed their feelings rather than their reason and uh, allowed their lower powers of things like passion and appetite to be in control of their higher powers such as reason and conscience mm. and, and a lot of people say okay we understand why reason is one of the higher powers but what about conscience you know that's isn't that just feelings no that is the voice of god speaking to you mm and telling you what is right and wrong because it will... You know that's the case because it contradicts your feelings. Mm. Your conscience contradicts your feelings. That's the difference between the two. You're listening to The Breakfast
1: Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: It is The Breakfast Show. Let's have one last question for the quiz, one last opportunity
1: to get your name in the draw. Okay, this last question is a bit, a bit tricky. Are you ready? What Bible book, and chapter have all the previous four quizzes for today been from. Oh, really?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's pretty cool. So, so let's, let's have a read one. of this. Uh, which one of the 12 apostles did Satan enter? Jesus said he would drink from the fruit of the vine when what finally comes? Which of the two apostles did Jesus send to prepare the fasto- Passover feast? And as Jesus prayed in the garden, what did Jesus ask his father to take from him? All of those stories come from one chapter in the Bible. If you know the book, that's a point. If you know the chapter, that's another point. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And if you do, of course, you'll go into the draw to win the great prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation, as well as Understanding Daniel and Revelation by Mark Finley. So you'll be able to make your way through. You'll have your own journal that you'll be able to write notes in and make your way through those books and understand them and be able to know basically what the Bible is saying about our future.
0: Okay. All right. So if you know the answers, is 2
1: Samuel 11 verse 2 to 4. The Bible says, Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and went walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messages to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. What a
0: terrible, terrible idea. Mm -hmm. And what an awful thing that David has done right here. Mm. Because he then follows this up by murdering her husband. And the Bible says that she was innocent. It's what the Bible says. So if she was innocent, then she was raped. Mm. This is this is what you call power rape. Mm. And you know, one of the challenges with power rape is that when men commit power rape, they often don't realise that that's what they actually have done.
1: Yeah, they they believe it's consensual. Yeah,
0: they they're thinking it's consensual. And we don't know what happened
1: here. We don't know whether she said no or not. We do know that the Bible says she was innocent. Mm. So and so, like even if it, yeah, even if she said yes, what option does she have?
0: Well, there's a massive power differentiation here. Mm. You know, she's a woman. She's married to a foreigner. Mm-hmm. She's a Jewess who's married to a foreigner. Uh, she is David. Is the king? He's the sovereign. Mm. He has sent servants, and these would be soldiers, to tell her to come to the palace. Mm-hmm. The, the power differentiation that you've got here is just off the charts. The power differentiation is so big that it's, you know, consent is not one of those things that you could really even take into consideration. Mm. It's controversial. Mm. But the Bible says she was innocent mm. at the end of the day. Okay, so David does something here based on his feelings. Do you think his conscience was speaking, saying something against what was happening here? <laughs> yeah, most definitely, yeah. 100%. And his conscience tortured him for the next 12 months.
1: Yeah, like not only was this guy a follower of God, like he already had wives, he knew Uriah personally. It
0: was one of his best mates. Mm. And this is what makes it even so worse, the reason that Uriah the Hittite was able to live in Jerusalem amongst the Jewish people was because he was one of the best mates with David. He was one of his most mighty men. He was one of his his men of valour. He was part of the house guard. He was He was an elite warrior mm. who was part of David's house. Mm. He'd been through thick and thin. He'd been through hard times and lean times. He'd stood by David over and over again, and he stands by David to the very end. Yeah, yeah. How would your conscience just absolutely hammer you when you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to go and sleep with his wife. Mm. And then how is your conscience going to hammer you as you try and cover up everything that has gone wrong? Wow. This is just uh, the, the torture that David must have gone through in this whole experience. The, the stress and the trauma. It's hard to imagine how a person lives with that. Mm. What a terrible, terrible decision to make. How many sleepless nights did David suffer just tossing and turning in bed and stressing over what he did right here? And, and, and it comes back to haunt him because his home, own family becomes so dysfunctional because of what David has modelled to them. Mm. And when they become dysfunctional, David doesn't have the moral fortitude to stand up and say, no, because he looks at himself and is like, I'm weak. Mm. What gives me the right to say no? Mm. Now, of course, he always has the right to say no because he's their dad. That's right. But he feels like he's lost it mm. because of the things that he's done.
1: Yeah, this very much sparks like a a downhill oh, yes. trend for David. Yes. It's literally, and it's, it's interesting because he repents of this sin. That's right. And he, God forgives him of it. God calls him a man you. after his own heart. And they move on, but like legitimately, I think he experiences the consequences in his own life from from the guilt, from the bad witness. You know, this wasn't isolated. Like the the guards who the guards who got the woman, probably the people in his palace. Like people knew this went down. People knew, oh, yeah. knew this happened, and I feel like you know it could have been one of the catalysts for when we see later in his life, like Absalom comes along and takes the throne from David, part of Absalom's propaganda to the people to get people to support him would be, oh, what about my da- my, my father? He's an adulterer. And a murderer. And a murderer. Like, this, this story, mm-hmm. although David received re- repentance, and for- like, although David repented and received forgiveness, and God is definitely merciful, he is on a very much a downward trend from this point forward. Yep. And it's sad. Yep. It pretty, the story is pretty much an upward
0: story until this particular point and a downward story from this, yeah, point, from it's, this point on.
1: It's rags to riches and then riches to rags. Yeah, that, That's how it goes. But I think, like again, as we've been reflecting in our Bible study and in the inter- interview, well, what was the ultimate cause of all of this? Rejecting conscience for the sake of emotion yes, and passion and desire and feeling. and Indeed. And I can just see in this story, I'm like, oh, how do I know that doing this is wrong bro just read this story not oh, hard to figure out <laughs> like if you ever want a reason not to commit adultery read this story ah uh, indeed all right let's go to galatians chapter 2 verse 11
0: and 12 and we've got another example over here very different example in the oh, new Oh, yeah
1: this is interesting galatians chapter 2 verse 11 and 12 As I find it on the page, Galatians chapter 2, 11 and 12, the Bible says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians, who were not not circumcised. But afterward, when the friends... Of James came, Peter wouldn't eat of the Gentiles anymore. Would eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision.
0: Okay, so do we have Peter making a mistake here? Yeah, big time. And is he making this? Is it is it conscience and reason that he's ruling here, or is it feeling? It's feeling.
1: He's self conscious. Peer pressure.
0: Yeah. And this is something that Peter, you find, is subject to all the way through. Mm. Throughout the Bible, Peter is insecure.
1: Oh. And he's just like the man at the same time. Like he has yes. no reason to be. Yes. Because God has blessed him so much and he has such an ability to do his work, yet you come to a, a circumstance like this and you see him just fall and falter.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's a great lesson for us there. And one of the things that we often find with people that... You know, we look up to as being, you know, the strongest and the loudest and the boldest proclaimers. There's actually an element of insecurity there. And you see Peter's Mm -hmm. insecurity coming through here and it lets him down. Let's not make that same mistake ourselves.
1: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Time for the answers to our quiz. That's right. Okay. So, which one of the following apostles did Satan enter? Was Judas Iscariot? Jesus said he would drink the fruit of the vine when the kingdom of God finally comes. It was Peter and John that Jesus uh, sent to prepare the Passover feast. Uh, Jesus prayed that this cup would be taken from him to his father. And finally, what Bible book and chapter have all the previous quizzes today been from? That is Luke 22. We had a few different answers for some different books and whatnot, but yeah, it's Luke 22. So that is all of the questions. Oh, sorry, the quiz answers.
0: Question of the day.
1: And now it's time for question of the day, which and today our question comes from David, and David asks this, do all the dead people that are not Christians come back to life After the second coming and continue to live their life as they did before they died, or do they stay alive until the end of the world—Armageddon?
0: Okay, so there's a whole bunch of uh, things that we could unpack here, which we don't have really a whole lot of time to. So the first thing I'm going to state here is that we're not going to say the dead people who are not Christians. We're going to say the dead people who are not saved, Mm. and the reason is because there'll be many people who are not Christians who are saved. Um, and, you know, that's probably a subject for another day, but uh, if you've got questions on that, send those questions through and I can give you a Bible study on how they're, how it's possible for God to save people who are not Christians. Okay, the second thing we are going to look at is the fact that there are two resurrections. So the Bible says in John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves will hear his voice. They shall come forth. Those that have done good... To the resurrection of life, those that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. So you've got. At the return of Christ, the Bible says there's two resurrections, the resurrection of life, the resurrection of damnation. We know that when Jesus comes back, the Bible says, For the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. So it's very, very clear that the first resurrection is the resurrection of the saved. Uh in Revelation chapter twenty and twenty twenty and verse five, the Bible says Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. So we know this when Jesus comes back. And so what we're dealing with is a little bit of chronology here. Jesus comes back, the Bible says, second coming happens. And those who are blessed and holy are resurrected, the first resurrection. Obviously, you've got a first resurrection. That's then going to be followed by a second resurrection. Okay, so what happens to the righteous when Jesus comes back who are resurrected? The Bible says they're caught up. In the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, together with those who are already alive. Where do they go? The Bible says, John chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 1, 1 to 3. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you might be also. So the Bible says that Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us in heaven. He says, If I come again, I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In other words, He's coming back to this earth to take us back to heaven to be with Him. Okay, so what about this second resurrection, the resurrection of the wicked? When does that take place? Do these people get resurrected just after the righteous are taken to heaven? Do they continue to live here on this earth? Uh, what happens there. The Bible says in Revelation 20 uh, 20 and verse 5, the Bible says, But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. And so you've got a 1,000-year gap between the first resurrection and the second resurrection. So the answer to the question is no, they're not resurrected at the time of the return of Christ. They don't continue to live on this earth as they were living before, after the righteous are taken away. The Bible says they do not live again until the end of the thousand years. Okay, so they don't lend, if they don't live again until the end of the thousand years, then we have to ask ourselves, all right, they're resurrected at the end of the thousand years. Did they pick up where they left off? Well, the earth has been empty for that thousand years. Bible says that it's completely depopulated. The righteous are all living in heaven. The wicked are all dead. There's no human beings on earth during the thousand years. The Bible also says that the earth has been wrecked during that time period because of the effect of the plagues and so forth, and then it's just been left for a thousand years. What does the world look like after no inhabitants for a thousand years? So no, they won't exactly be living life as they were beforehand. The Bible says that Satan gathers them in an effort to, to make one last stand, the Battle of Armageddon, to take God on and to take the city from God to be able to survive. Mm. Uh, One text message coming through here right at the end says, many Christians will not make it in the last days due to family and peer pressure. Mm. Peter fell, but he learned his lesson, are we? Mm. The Lord will allow us to go through trials so we can practice to trust him alone. So, yeah, Peter was able to have an easier trial right there so you could learn a lesson from it so they you didn't fail at the end.
1: Mm.
0: Amen. All right, so when those trials come our way, let's make sure that we stand firm. Uh, practice standing now, we'll be able to stand then. Mm. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.
1: God uphold you with the sheep securely fold you God be with you till we meet again Until we meet again at Jesus' feet Until we meet again Jesus God be with you till we meet
0: again Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one 800 Faith FM